Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, well, our text today is Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, we'll we'll, be... Verse 5 will be the main one, but just if you're just joining us, as Wes mentioned, we're in this uh, pursuit of humility, chasing humility. Today it's in the context of community. So how do we live out the, the humility of Christ in the context of, of doing life together? Our text, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and it reads this. This way, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So if you circle a word in your Bible, it'd be mindset today. Have the same mindset. So how we think. So as we do life together in the realm of our relationships, as we interact with one another, as you look to the person next to you and you see them, what's the calling of God? It's to see them the way, think about them the way that Jesus would think about them. And as you do life together with them. So... To, to keep this real and, and keep us interacted and going, I'm going to challenge this. And if you don't feel comfortable doing this, you don't have to. If you're newer to the church and this would make you feel completely uh, weirded out, you can pass. But everybody else, guys, let's do this, all right? I'm going to say a phrase and I'm going to ask you to look to somebody next to you and re- that you know and repeat this phrase, okay? Based on this text. Here we go. First phrase. There's a good chance. So tell somebody. There's a good chance. I am about to tweak the way I see you. All right? (laughs) Thank you, guys. That was good. There's a good chance. I'm about to tweak the way I see you. How so? Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do you guys feel the hope in this text? God's desire, his intention for us is that we would see one another, think about one another the way that, that Christ would think. So the challenge of the day is adopt the mindset of, of Christ. Quick context to help us understand and apply this. This, um, this text is in a letter that is a heartfelt letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church family that he knows, he loves them. He's, uh, they have been his teammates in mission in the, the spreading of the gospel. As he went on a missionary journey, they were encouragement to him financially, praying for him. They were a part of his, uh, part of his mission. So he's writing, one, to thank them, but two, to encourage them, stay devoted to Christ. But three, to protect them from a threat. And what's the big threat in this church that's relatively healthy? It's disunity as strong personalities are rubbing up against one another. Specifically, chapter 4, two ladies, he he calls out. And so, what is at the heart of disunity? And as we will read through our text, we'll see it's pride, it's selfish ambition. And so, his calling to us is to chase humility in the realm of relationship. Now, what's interesting about this letter, or, or where we're at in this, this letter and this text is, it's a glimpse of glory that, that he gives us of our Lord. And 
there's another moment that Jesus does this with his disciples where, remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross, and Peter says what? Never. Never, Lord. And what's Jesus say to him? And this is pretty strong. He says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, what, what was he? It's like, Satan? Okay, what, what's he aimed at with Peter? It's his mindset. You're not thinking as God would think. You're thinking like a human, and it's keeping you from doing what God would, would call you to do. So what does he do next? Six days later, he takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain, and he is transfigured before them in Matthew chapter 17. And he, he pulls back his Shekinah glory, and, and what do they want to do? They want to do something, build three shelters, and the father breaks through it, and he says this. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then he gives them this word of instruction. Listen to him. <laughs> Don't be building things. Don't just listen to him. What's he going to call you to do? And what's the calling of Jesus? What did, what did he just tell him? Take up your cross, follow me. That way of, that path of humility. What God does through Paul here is a similar thing. He gives us this truth to humble ourselves, to, to have the mindset of Christ. And then he gives us a glimpse of the glory of Jesus in one of the most uh, beautiful passages, and so we're going to bask in that this morning. We'll read the whole text, and then we'll, we'll come back and break it down. But verse, if you would join me in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 11. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, which all of these things these people have, says, because you have these things in essence, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. All right, here comes the challenge. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but also each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What's that look like? Here it comes, verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking the, by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so back to verse 5, the challenge of the day is simply this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In the context of relationship, we ask then, what's going through the mind of Jesus as he's seeing people and interacting with people? And we see from this text four uh, mindset shifts that, that, that we're called to make as we look to his mindset and then compare that, that to our natural mindset. The first is this, reject rivalry. And I'll, I'll add a phrase to the, end of this that we can say towards one another, but reject rivalry. I'm not here to compete with you. 
not here to compete with you. We see this in verse 6 where it says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And so here we get a glimpse of the humility of our Lord within the Trinity, within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice that, that there is no rivalry, no competition, no, no seeking a better position or, or worrying about who's best or who's greatest within the Godhead, within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know from this text that, um, and throughout Scripture that Jesus is fully God. You read Colossians chapter 1 and, and other texts where He is fully God. He, he is, um, as the text says, in His very nature, He is God. And yet, um, He's not thinking, how can I use my position to elevate myself? So the first mindset that we, we should adopt as well is to reject rivalry. I'm not here to compete with you. As we think about relating with one another, we're not uh, comparing with each other. We're not um, worrying about who has the better position. We're not, um, which leads to envy, jealousy, all these things. Rather, we are um, seeking to, to do what this text will call us to do in verse 4. First, verse 3 of this text, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So this is that mindset played out in our relationship. So selfish ambition, how's this going to elevate me above others? And then vain conceit, that desire for, for self-glory. Interesting how he says, do nothing tainted with pride. Why? Well, selfish ambition, we know, destroys relationships. It's at the heart of what will fracture our relationships and is actually, it's from the enemy. It, it's, it's out of hell. We see this in uh, James chapter 3, strong words where he says, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earth but is earthly and spiritual and even demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And so the first mindset shift to make is to reject re uh, rivalry. And it, as you see the person next to you, that you just earlier we said, hey, I'm going to make a tweak, to be able to say to them, I'm not here to compete with you. And with every other human, I'm not here to compete with you. It does raise a question, though, around competition, doesn't it? For those of us on the personality spectrum, you have the cooperative person who just wants everybody to get along, have fun, and, and, you know, and then on the other personality spectrum, if we're not keeping score, why are we doing this? And you just want to fall asleep. What, what's the point? If, if somebody's not winning, it's got to be a game, and everything's a game, and everything's a competition. Those are amoral in and of themselves. So is, is it wrong to, to compete? would be a question. Is it wrong to, and the, the quick answer, and this is another message, but the quick answer is no. Um, as long as we are competing in the right way with the right heart, like Christ, spirit-led. In fact, our Lord um, was a courageous warrior who went to battle in a fight and defeated sin, death, and gave his life for it, and calls us into a fight. Like, there's a fight, but, but who are we competing against? It's not each other. It's the enemy of our soul, our own flesh, laziness, those types of things. He calls us to a race and to run this race, to win it. He is not looking for 
losers by any means, but, but rather winners, but winners for the right reason, not for our glory, but for his glory and the good of, of those around us. But, uh, and C.S. Lewis, he does a good job. I'll go ahead and read this and encourage you. You can Google C.S. Lewis on competition, and he's got a lot of good quotes. This is a great book on that if you want to pursue the question further with that. Rescue and Ambition by Dave Harvey. This is, I think, important in parenting, too, because you want to you teach your kids, you know, what's that look like, you know, driving home from the football game, you know, and you're having that conversation. How do we compete like Christ is one of the, the big challenges as, as a parent in our culture. C.S. Lewis says, ambition. We must be careful by what we mean of it. If it means the desire to get ahead of other people, then it is bad. If it means simply wanting to do a thing well, then it is good. It's wrong for an actor to want to act his part as well as he, it can possibly be acted. It's not wrong to do that. But the wish to have his name bigger in bigger type than the other actors is a bad one. What we call ambition usually means the wish to be more conspicuous, more successful than someone else. It is this competitive element in it that is bad. It is perfectly reasonable to want to dance well or look nice. But when the dominant wish is to dance better or look nicer than the others, when you begin to feel that the, if the others danced as well as you or looked as nice as you, then it would take the fun of it. That's when it's going wrong. So helpful conversation around that. But... The point is, have the same mindset in your relationships with one another as that of Christ Jesus. I'm not here to compete with you. Second mindset shift is choose slave. I'm here to serve you. We see this in verse 7, radical, where he says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So not only did our Lord reject rivalry, but he chose the lowest of positions. In your English text, it, the word is probably translated servant just because slavery in our culture has a, uh, a lot of, um, it's, it's a loaded term. But the word is literally the Greek word slave, the lowest of, of low positions in, this, in the, the culture with, with which this was written. He made himself nothing, the text says, or literally he emptied himself. Theologians, as well as, as those of us who have read this text through the centuries, have both wondered at this, but also um, it ultimately it leads us to worship. But w what does it mean that he emptied himself, you know? And um, there's been lots of, of discussion around this. The one thing we know it does not mean is he did not cease to be God. He, he is fully God, remained fully God, but yet took on humanity in a way that he continues to be human. Um, and will be human forever. But the, the obvious um, and very clear, what, what did it mean? It meant he became human. He submitted himself to the creation that had fallen under a curse. He felt the pain that we feel. He um, suffered injustice. He, and to the point we know of the cross, he set aside the glory that he had, the Shekinah glory that when we see it, it will drop us to our knees. No longer did people drop to their knees when they saw him. In fact, he took a body that Isaiah 53 says, there was nothing in his outward appearance that would draw us to him. You know? In fact, people kind of looked away from him, and they, um, he, he received shame rather than the embrace. He took a position that, you know, you say, okay, I'll be human, but, but I'm going to be 
king, right? <laughs> I want to be in charge when I'm there. No, he came as a servant, a carpenter, and served um, humbly among us. He suffered what we suffer, became human, fully God, fully man, one of us. It's neat to think Jesus is the second Adam. The first Adam took the bite of the, the fruit, sinned against God in order to be like God, fueled by pride. The second Adam came, fueled by what? Humility. And it is the humility of Christ and the way of humility which is the foundation of our salvation and our redemption and through which we are set free. And he says, think like this as you do life together. This is the new way. So I'm not here to compete with you, choose slave. I'm here to serve you. So if we did that right now, you just turn to that person next to you and say, just look at him and say, I'm here to serve you. How, how good does that feel it when you have someone saying that to you? And how does that change how we interact with each other? Family level, work level, the people around us. So choose slave, I'm here to serve you. We've been sent by God to humbly serve those around us. What's this look like? You look back in the text, last part of verse 3 says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So what's it mean to serve each other? It's valuing the person that I'm around above myself, and then it's we tend to become obsessed with our own interests, and we do have to take care of our own stuff, but it's saying, okay, I'm not just going to look at my interests, but what is this person going through, and how could I be a help to them? I love this, uh, this picture of, of remembering who we are, flowing out of our identity. We are dearly loved child, children of God, called by him, though, to serve one another to take the lowest of positions and uh, value the people around us above ourselves. Third mindset shift we see there in verse 8, it's this, obey fully to the point of death. I'll die for you is, is the phrase. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This picture of humbling himself Becoming obedient to death is the idea of surrendering to the Father's will to serve the people that he was called to serve. And the, the, in your text, it may say obedient to death. It's literally obedient until death. So it's that idea of a temporal, until we have but one breath to breathe, we will lay down our life in service to the people around us is the idea. So the calling of God, the mindset shift, is not only, as you look to the person next to you and the people in your life, I'm not here to compete with you, I'm here to serve you. How far? I'm here to serve you to the point of even laying down my life for you. I will die for you, is the mindset shift for the Christian. Isn't that awesome? Now, are we there yet? <laughs> in many contexts, no, and throughout the day, often we have to remind ourselves, but it's a good thing to reckon with. Tam and I were driving down the road, and I'm like, babe, would you die for your country? And just checking it out, and like, it's like, well, it's a, it's a thing we have to reckon with. I think guys probably reckon with it quicker, but will I lay down my life for, for the United States of America? And I had to reckon with, for the, to, to provide the freedom that we have, Absolutely, I'm in. I'll die. So, but the better question is, the person next to me, will I die for you? The 
the calling of Christ is while we were still sinners, he died for us. We're called to love each other, even in our hard moments, our, our bad moments. And then you start thinking, man, what a beautiful community. A group of people whose minds are being transformed to think like this as we interact with each other. There's power in that. But the natural question is, okay, if someone says to you, I'll die for you, and they are spending their life for your life, what, what's your natural response to them? What about you, right? What about you? To which we come to our fourth mindset shift, which is entrust our life to God and with the phrase, God's got me. And that brings us to, to verses uh, 9 through 11. And here we see the, the upside of the J curve where it says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That little phrase you might circle, it's the first creed of the church, scholars feel, Jesus Christ is Lord. See it in Romans chapter 10, we confess with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. And love this picture, that he, um, every tongue will acknowledge at some point that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so today, as it for those of you who are trusting Christ, child of God, may, may I just encourage you and remind you that as you walk humbly with him, and as you take the place of servant, seek to put others above yourself, God's got you. <laughs> He's got your name. He's got your reputation. He's got your well-being. He's got your job. He's got your relationships. He's got your kids. He's got you, he's got your life, and he will lift you up in due time. Brings confusion, though. What's it mean to be lifted up? Is that, does that mean people are going to look at my name and the bright lights and say, wow, no, that's not the exaltation for the child of God. The exaltation for us is that we will, he will lift us into the place in which we have been created to experience the greatest joy, which is bringing him glory with our lives. It's an increased capacity to see him, know him, love him, and bring glory um, to him with our one and only lives. And that is where maximum joy is had. And that is the exaltation for the child of God. Amen? He will do it. We can trust him for that. In losing our life for him, we find it. And we find it for all eternity. So the challenge of the day is this. It's to adopt the mindset of the Lord in our relationships with one another. The, uh, as we do life together, to think as he thinks. And so this demands four mindset shifts. The first one is this, reject rivalry. We're born competing, envying, comparing. He says, stop all that. Rather, say this as you think about each other. I'm not here to compete with you. Third or second, choose slave when it comes to position and um, choose the lowest and seek to serve. I'm here to serve you. Third, obey fully. As we seek to serve one another, we're living surrender to the Father's will, just saying, your will be done, not mine, and wherever you lead, I will go, and I'll spend my last breath. I'll die for you. And then the fourth one is entrust. Know that God's got me. So the igniting vision today is, imagine being part of a team where we're saying these four things, where we have this mindset shift as we do life together. It's, that's uh, 
what, what do you call a group like that? And I think you call a group like that an unstoppable force for good, for the glory of God, and a, a wonderful team to be a part of. And I, that's happening here in our church family. May I encourage us, let's keep on um, living this out. Say, so, well, how do we get there? Mindset shifts take time to practice, don't they, and implement. It's one thing to know it. It's another to um, groove that muscle memory. And I was reminded of this. So I had a good time talking to Dylan Miller on, uh, at the Worship by the Fire. And eventually, our talk turned to golf. He's a golf instructor in his past life. And so I was asking him for some advice on how to hit a, a drive. And so appreciated. He told me about this tweak that you make and, and actually gave me a... Uh, this morning, brought a book and some other books on the, the, the mechanics of a golf swing. And it's one thing to know, like he talked about firing the hips. You know, you got to fire the hips. Well, it's another thing to practice. It's going to take a lot of practice to groove that. It's one thing to know the mindset of Christ. It's going to take a lot of practice to groove it, right? That's our sanctification. So what I'd like to give you today, this is an initiative that we've been um, thinking, praying about for some time, but it's a... a practical way to practice the mindset of Christ as we apply his word to our lives in the context of community, and it's called SOAP. So this year, the challenge is for us as a church family to do SOAP together. Now, the, uh, this is good on the personal level, but also the especially helpful at the community level. So I'll, I'll talk about it real quick, and then in the next few weeks, we'll be uh, sharing this. But Around you, there's these, uh, these soap journals. That feel free to grab one. We have some at guest services. If we run out, you, can, you may have your own journal and you don't need it. That's fine. But if, if you don't, um, grab it. It's got the acrostic in this. Wayne Cordero, a pastor in Hawaii, put these together. And you'll see the soap acrostic. S stands for Scripture. So, so here's what, what you do. And your daily meeting with the Lord, you, you, go, you go after a chapter of the Bible. So you're reading through, you go after a chapter, and in that chapter, you read through it, think about it, you take one verse, and you write that down where, where it says S. So in your uh, journal, you write S, and then you write that verse. Now you say, why do that, John? I'm not a journaler. This isn't about journaling. When you write down the scripture, it slows you down long enough to think about it. Does anyone else get to about 10, 11 o'clock in the day and you totally forget what you read in the morning? Gone. This is helping that word of God get in your mind, the the mind of Christ, where you write it down. What's the one verse that stood out to you? And then the O, you write O and then your observation around that verse. So what do I see? What's this verse um, mean? And you write down a few observations and then the A stands for application. So you take the verse, now apply it. How does this help me follow Christ today? How will I live this out today? And then the P is pray it. And you write out a little prayer. Lord, help me to implement this into my life. At the bottom of each page in this journal, there's a question. How will I be different today because of what I have just read? And great um, tool that, thought, hey, what if we do this personally? But now here's how you do it, as, how we'll do it as a team. Uh, one of our habits is we do life together, connect in a small group. So it may be a men's group, women's group, uh, you know, a co-ed group, whatever it is. But in your group that you're following Jesus together, I'll, I'll give you an example of our men's group. We're going through the book of Ephesians. We're going to take one chapter per week. And so this it's going to be Ephesians 1. Each of us will go, we'll write down the verse, et cetera, et cetera. And then when we come to our group, here's how it's going to go. 
It's real simple. Small group leaders, this is easiest way to lead. Each person gets five minutes to share their soap page. So just say, hey, this is the verse that hit me. Here's my observations, application. Here's my prayer. What that does is it, we're, we're in the Word of God. We're having a spiritual conversation. We're hearing how God is at work in each of our lives. And it gets everybody talking. In small groups, usually you have those who love to talk, those who don't want to talk. Everybody shares. God's grace is flowing through everybody in the group. So that's the first, que- first round. Then you do a second round where you ask this question. What did God give you as the takeaway from our time together today? And so you can pass on this. You say, eh, I'll pass. But it gives the people opportunity to say, hey, man, what Jim said there about that verse and his life, God encouraged me with that. And you've got community happening. Does that make sense? So this is the, uh, and we'll be talking more about this into the future. And again, if you need, um, if, if we run out of these, but feel free to take these with you. But I'm excited about just getting into God's word together, allowing, um, really, this is that practice where, where we let his word inform us, the mind of Christ be formed in us as we follow him. All right. Well, this has been a lot. Thank you, guys. We'll uh, go ahead and pray and, and then continue our worship. Father, we thank you for just the gift of, of your word to us and, Jesus, this hope of having your mind. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us your mind as we meditate and think more about just the, the glory of your humility as we see it exercised on our behalf. And we praise you for that. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to to, uh, to worship you this morning, to, to be fed by your word, and now to go live for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.